the Alabama Crops Report podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to the Alabama Crops Report podcast. I'm Scott Graham, an extension entomologist. And I'm Dr. Amanda Shear, an extension plant pathologist. We're excited to be releasing regularly scheduled podcast episodes with up-to-date information about Alabama crops throughout the year. You'll be hearing from extension personnel from all over the state with the latest research and management recommendations. How are you doing today, Scott? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Amanda? I'm, I'm doing good just waiting for this severe weather to hit um, Auburn and the Opelika area. I know some people in Huntsville have already lost power today. Yeah, as we're, as we're recording here today, we're, it's kind of in the middle of a bunch of weather alerts across the state. You know, thankfully, a lot of folks were uh, able to take advantage of some pretty days the last week or so and start getting some field prep done. Yeah, that's definitely was some good weather for them the last week or so. so. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, our guest today is Dr. Audrey Gamble. Audrey's an extension soil scientist. Uh, she pretty much has responsibilities in all the row, row crops. We'll let Audrey kind of introduce herself. Audrey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me today. Um, yeah, so like Scott said, I'm an extension soil scientist. I work with most of our major row crops within the state and focus on soil fertility and soil conservation. You know, I will say I think you're missing a a good opportunity to call yourself an extension dirt doctor. Get some good alliteration there. <laughs> we just can't call it dirt, Scott, as you know. <laughs> we got to call it soil. So I've been called the soil queen and all, all kinds of things. <laughs> cover better. crop too, right? Yeah, cover crop queen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you better trademark some of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do our uh, producers need to be thinking about right now as far as uh, soil fertility? You know, I know we do a lot of that kind of stuff in the off-season, too, but there's some things once we get around planting we need to think about as well. Yeah, for sure. So I, I hope that at this point, you know, throughout the fall and winter seasons, all, all of our farmers have already taken all their soil samples, had those analyzed, and, and started making some decisions uh, especially with lime, um, I, I hope that most of the lime applications that need to go up out for our row crops this season are already put out um, because lime can take a, a good amount of time to react with the soil and bring up the pH up to where we need it to be. Um, so, you know, if, if lime hasn't been applied yet, that's okay. Certainly producers can, can do it, but I think it's hopefully time now where, where we're getting ready to make decisions on all our, our nutrient applications. So, Audrey, you're mentioning, you know, making good uh, management recommendations and um, planning for soil nutrition. You know, so a lot of, you know, producers will do a soil test. You know, they can go either with Auburn University or sometimes they use commercial labs. So what are some of your recommendations when talking about um, making decisions based on what the results that they get from these different labs? Sure. So I think um, soil testing is is very key in order to make good economic decisions about fertility, uh, whether it be phosphorus and potassium um, or liming on uh, our various soil types. And so, you know, regardless of where you send your samples, I hope you have a good soil testing program so that you know what you're working with in your your fields. and at that point, you know, I think it's um, up to the producer once they receive results to, to figure out how they want to use that information and the recommendations that are given within a soil test report. So, for example, if, if a farmer sends a sample to the Auburn Soil Testing Lab, um, we're going to give some recommendations for nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, as well as uh, uh, lime recommendations and uh, any additional nutrients that need to be applied. And so 
um, we can guarantee that the the recommendations that are given by Auburn University are based on research, and it's based on research that's been done in the different soil types of Alabama. So I think that's very important for our, our producers to understand is that, you know, we have so many different soil types within the state, and we want to make sure that any of the, the recommendations that, that we're using are based off of information for their given soil types. So we're certainly going to take that into account with the samples that are sent to the Auburn lab. Um, like you mentioned, Amanda, a lot of samples are sent to commercial labs, and that's okay. Um, sometimes the recommendations that are provided those by those labs might be a little bit on the high side um, and, and may not be the most economical way of applying fertilizer, And but we can use the reports that are generated by those labs as long as they're using the correct extract which for most of our soil types is, is Malik 1, we can easily convert those recommendations or those um, soil test values from the report and get uh, university-based recommendations from that report. So, Audrey, is what you're saying with that, basically, I, I send in my soil report to a private lab. They send me back an email, I assume, a PDF, a piece of mm-hmm. paper, and then I can just give that to, to you guys or the folks at the soil lab, and they can report it without even have to actually test my soil? Yeah, so we can take the information in that report. Again, as long as the correct extract was used, you know, you can contact your local regional extension agent or me, um, and we can help you make those conversions. And we also have a new online tool so that a, a farmer can take the results that they get for their various nutrients, pH, buffer pH, all of those things, um, put them into uh, this online tool and generate an Auburn recommendation. You know, one of the things I think is neat, you you hit on it there too, is, you know, how different our soil types are across the state. And and when you look at, as an outsider from Alabama, somebody from Mississippi coming into Auburn and and seeing how many different research stations we have, it's almost a little overwhelming to try to feel like I need to put a bug trial out on every single one of those. But, and that may or may not be true, but it it is neat that we've got these research stations on all of these different soil types. So, you know, in, in a world like yours where that's so important, we've got the ability to do that. So not really a question or anything, just just a comment there. I, I think that's great that we've got those research stations and I think they're very, very important for us as extension scientists and, and you know, applied researchers. Uh, really helps us answer real world questions for our uh, folks out in the state. I appreciate it, Scott, and I, I, um, I, I do echo that that is extremely important. And when these research stations were established, you know, that was definitely something that was considered is that they tried to establish these stations on areas where um, some of our benchmark soil types in Alabama or our most common soil types are um, present at those stations so that our tests are representative to a, a, a wide array of farmers. What, one thing... Uh I had to go back home. Speaking of, I went back home to Mississippi uh, this past weekend. My wife was in a wedding, and, and I rode through the Black Belt uh, part of the state, and there were a lot of folks getting the ground ready, some some sprayers going out with uh, burned-down herbicides and things. What what kind of makes that soil type unique to the state, and, and what do folks that are farming those soils need to be thinking about right now? Uh, that's a good question. It's um, definitely a challenging area to farm in the Black Belt region of the state, which kind of runs starting along Montgomery County and into, you know, through Dallas and Perry and Hale counties over into Pickens County and kind of makes a crescent shape throughout the center of the state. 
Um, the soil types in that region have a very high clay content, and some of them, you know, they're derived from, from calcium carbonate parent materials, and because of that, some of them have a very high pH. Some of them are acidic, but that comes with its own problems in terms, in terms of, you know, moisture retention. You know, sometimes it can be harder to time trips into the field in those areas because of standing water or on the other end, when it's too dry, it really just becomes a rock, essentially. So it's, it's a difficult area to farm in. And the the pH in the, some of those soil types can be very challenging as well. You know, most of our soil types in Alabama, they're going to be acidic, and we have to apply lime in order to bring that pH up to um, an adequate level for plant, plant growth. And so there... In the black belt, if you're on a high pH soil, there's really not much you can do in terms of management, and there's going to be some very specific um, nutrient issues that may come into play. So when we get into those high pH ranges, some of our micronutrients like iron and manganese can become deficient. Um, so that's one thing that those those farmers face. And, you know, one of the tools that we have is, is um, you know, just growing crops that are more suited to those soil types. And so, you know, as an example, when it comes to soybean, soybeans are, are pretty intolerant of that high pH, but we have varieties that are more resistant um, to some of the nutrient uh, issues that come into play there, like iron deficiency chlorosis. So in our variety trials in that region on our high pH soil types, we actually provided iron deficiency chlorosis ratings in our soybean variety trials so that farmers can use that information to make planting decisions because it, it's very difficult to correct the problem, you know, w- without using uh, resistant varieties. So, like a good opportunity to get a some kind of a patent out if you can figure <laughs> out how to change that high pH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some of the things that we can do in uh, other soil types in Alabama. You know, a good example is if you you're working on a pH of about six and you want to grow something like blueberries and need a lower pH. Well, sometimes you can apply things like elemental sulfur or ammonium sulfate, and that'll actually reduce the soil pH. But because in those black belt soils, it, it's essentially so high in calcium carbonate, which is essentially ag lime, um, it just has a really high buffering capacity and it prevents that pH from being lowered. But yeah, if someone can figure that out, that'd be that'd be. <laughs> Right. <laughs> now that you know you've kind of given some good recommendations on how to get pH soil pH in the correct range what do farmers need to worry about next um, so again in terms of, of phosphorus and potassium these are two of our big uh, macronutrients um, apply according to soil test uh, you know, we we love for you to use Auburn recommendations uh, because we do have that research that we've used to um, to correlate nutrient uh, nutrients in the soil to yield of various crops, and, and I feel good about those recommendations. And of course, the other big nutrient to be concerned about would be nitrogen. So especially in, in our cotton and corn acres, you know, farmers are going to need to be making decisions about how much nitrogen to put out at plant and then eventually their side dress. Um, so for cotton, um, you know, we're typically going to be um, around the 90 pounds per acre range in, in terms of um, maximizing uh, lint yield. And then in areas where maybe we haven't seen adequate vegetative growth in the past, we may bump that up just a little bit. And in areas where we have excessive vegetative growth, uh, we may knock that down a bit because if we get too much nitrogen for cotton production, you know, you might have to give Scott a call to, to help with your insect issues or yep, that's right. um, <laughs> get into issues with bull rot and things like that. 
So uh, again, around 90 pounds tends to be where where we're able to maximize lint production of cotton. So I like to put out about a third of that at plant and then go back with two thirds of that at side dress. For corn, you know, it just depends on the level of management and it depends on the area of the state that you're in. But in our in our more um, northern soil types, um, like for example, in the Tennessee Valley, we tend to be able to get away with about one pound, maybe say one to to 1.1 pounds of nitrogen per anticipated bushel of yield. But in the coastal plain, we may be looking more like 1.25 pounds of nitrogen per anticipated bushel of yield, give or take, depending on how much loss of nitrogen you expect. Nitrogen is just difficult to manage because it's so variable and, and we have so many loss pathways you know, if we have excessive rainfall, we can get a, a significant amount of leaching loss of nitrogen. Or if we're putting out urea and um, we have hot, dry weather for a few days after we apply, we can have significant losses through volatilization. So sometimes there's going to be adjustments needed on nitrogen rates, just depending on how much loss you anticipate. And is that part of why you would uh, prefer for cotton, for instance, to, to split your applications? Absolutely. And the more efficient you can be, the better. And and the more you can split, the more efficient you can be. And so at at minimum, you know, for cotton and and corn, you like to see at least two splits where you put out, you know, a quarter to a third at plant and then two thirds to three quarters at side dress. Um, And if you're able to split that up into more applications, uh, that can be beneficial as well, just so you can get it in the plant when it needs it most and when it's taking up the most. You're cutting into my bug trips going across the field. You start getting (laughs) three and four nitrogen applications out there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, I I hate to do that for your sake, Scott, but um, (laughs) if we can avoid those issues for the producers, that's a a good thing. She's also cutting into my trips, you know, just when soil fertility actually goes a long way in preventing a lot of diseases as well. And, you know, in cotton last year, we saw um, a lot of stemphilium leaf spot. And that's more of a secondary disease issue. Um, And it's really brought on by deficiencies in potassium, you know, that can be brought on by low fertility or even heavy rains or, you know, um, leaching from the soil. And unfortunately, once you're that far in the season, you know, at the fourth week of bloom or later, there's not really much you can do to reduce stemphilium and some of the other diseases. Um, You know, and you can't really rescue them with those foliar applications of fertilizers. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. The the issue with foliar fertilizers is, let's say, potassium deficiency. You want to put out a foliar spray of, of potassium. Well, you're applying max about four pounds of potassium per acre every time you spray with one of those foliar products. And at peak bloom, that's about how much potassium you're taking up every day, three to four pounds of potassium every day. So it's just really hard to keep up with the demand through foliar application. So, um, you know, if we can make sure that our soil test K is at the right levels to begin with and that we've taken care of other issues in the field that might be occurring like compaction or nematodes, uh, that's going to help us increase that availability of potassium and make sure we have good, healthy plants that can be resistant to to disease. All right, Dr. Audrey Gamble, we appreciate your time today. A lot of good information. Enjoyed having you on the Alabama Crop Support Podcast. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.